The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. CTN CIO Talk Network is brought to you by Redmain and BlackBerry. Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjo Gall. Hello and uh, welcome to CTN. Uh, to learn more, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And our topic for today is Acing the Four Critical Behaviors for Leadership Success. And our guest today is Helen Norris, who is the CIO with Chapman University. Hi, Helen. How are you? I'm good, Sanjog. How about yourself? Oh, great. Could not be better. And, you know, the reason we wanted to invite you and also talk about this topic is because, of course, you know, leadership is very close to our heart when we work as a media to, to support the CIOs and other ITCXOs besides business in terms of how they can grow. And everyone is a leader in him or herself. However, we have to see if there is a way to get them to become better. And, and there was mm-hmm. some research done and we found uh, that as per the McKinsey's Organizational Health Index, they, they said there are plenty of uh, different attributes which contribute towards leadership success, but they found four in particular, which uh, basically are critical that every leader should uh, develop. Now, the, the things are like problem solving or result orientation or seeking different perspectives or be supportive of others. So these are the four that were identified. But then, you know, we, we, we thought these are table stakes and many others are. But that's why, mm-hmm. you know, and even, even though that's the case, we see some people very good at that leadership and others don't. So when these things are so common, why is that not happening? So, so then, then we thought, why don't we have a discussion and invite you on this? So, so let's start with your definition of leadership success as a starting point. Sure. Well, that's an, an interesting question. There's lots of definitions of leadership. You know, you hear people say leadership is about doing the right thing and creating a vision or inspiring a team. But for me... I feel that as a leader, you have true success when you put together a team, a really high-functioning team, a team that's driving in the same direction, uh, focused on the same result, a team with the right amount of um, constructive conflict, and uh, but with a great collaborative approach. So from my perspective, or from the leader's vantage point, I, I guess, uh, leadership success is all about having a well-performing team. So that that's, that would be my definition. If you're a great leader, you've put together a well-performing team, and they achieve the results that, that you're driving towards. See, your definition, of course, you know, it is, it is with humility you have defined a leader is only get good as, as good as a team, right? So I totally agree yeah. with that. But then at all times, you would see that while they are very good and they're trying to do their best, that they still have to look up to the leader 
mm-hmm. at, at times, and those are the junctures which actually make or break what an organization or a team achieves. Mm-hmm. So, so, I think, so what, oh, go ahead. Yeah, so, so I'm just saying, like, if you were to uh, define this success, one is, okay, overarching definition of what a successful leadership is. But another thing is to take your vantage point and look at the followers as well so that we see both sides. So have you ever asked your team to say, hey, what would you think uh, be a, a successful leader? What, what would a successful leader look like who you would want to follow? That's a great question, and I I agree. I think it's really important to look at it from the team members or the followers' perspective. So in my experience, and I have asked my teams that question, from the followers' perspective, I think it's about the leader having clarity or providing clarity to the end goal, Um, being a great communicator about what the, the goals are of the organization, communicating well to the team or to the individual team member about what their role is in the organization and in achieving the results of the organization, and then providing the tools that the team member needs to be successful. So there's a big piece of it that's about communication. Um, and clarity, making sure that or, or um, uh, transparency, making sure that the team is aware of which direction. We can't all drive in the same direction unless we know what that is, right? So that's a, a really important piece. And then providing the tools. And by the tools, I mean things like, um, you know, the right training, um, the, the, the right uh technical tools, the right access to the right people, and in fact, the correct amount of time uh, to get to achieve the goals. So that's where I think, uh, that's what I've heard from my team is the goal, is the, um, what they want to hear from me as a leader. Clarity about where we're going and a clear path as to how to get there. I think it's also important from the follower's perspective that the leader is a great listener. And I think we're going to talk a little bit more about that later uh, because the people on teams want to feel heard, included, and engaged. So that's what what I think it is um, from the follower's perspective. And, and by the way, uh, I'm a leader, but, you know, I'm on my boss's team, and, and that's what I want from him. I want to know what he expects of me, what the organization expects of me, and, and I want to make sure that he understands what I need to, to perform well within his team. So, so your response is, is very on point. Now, thing which I would like to see if I was a leader and if I, I would, like I am in my organization, you are in yours, and of course listeners are in their respective organizations. When we, when we try to go to sleep and say, okay, did I do my job? It should not be a fuzzy science. It should not mm-hmm. feel like, oh, yeah, I am doing leaders almost like predicting weather, which we can mm-hmm. go, you know, uh, we, we may not be accurate, but somewhere we are in that journey, don't know where we are going. So do you think there should be a benchmark or can there be a benchmark for someone like us before we go to sleep or when we get up in the morning to say, OK, what, where do I, what do I strive for? It's not an incremental continuous improvement process. Yes, it, it is. But then you've got to be able to follow or you've got to look up to something, right? Where where we want to go. So can there be a benchmark? That's a great question. And I do think that we've traditionally looked at leadership in in a kind of a 
fuzzy light and, you know, I kind of, people have kind of said, oh, I know in my gut if I'm doing a good job or if I'm following a good leader. I, I do think that there's an element of that, but there are benchmarks and there are um, benchmarks of, I guess, what I, I might call the, uh, the of a healthy or a, a great leader is leading a healthy organization. And there are benchmarks of a healthy organization. It's about turnover. Are, are you are you losing staff? You know the the old saying that people really leave their managers, not their companies. So if your leader is losing a lot of staff, you know, and, and it's it's uh, we should have turnover. Sometimes it's about salary or or personal issues, but if your leader is losing a lot of staff, I think that's an indication that there's an issue. So that's one benchmark, I think, that you can look at. Are our teams happy? Um, But ultimately, I think the truest benchmark for great leadership is really around results. If your team is getting the job done and meeting the expectations of the organization, then you've got a good, high-functioning high and highly satisfied team. So I think you can benchmark team performance to measure the leader's success. That's, I think, the, the in the end run what the real measure of leadership success is. So let me, let me take a contrarian view, if you will. So what okay. you just mentioned is, suppose you said that, that the, if, if the team is or the staff is leaving, right? Or you mentioned mm-hmm. that the, the team is performing well. So mm-hmm. take example of a marathon runner. The, the person has to drink water before they feel thirsty. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? So if a person already starts seeing the staff is leaving, that means the person is too late and even working on right. the skills which would prevent. Second, mm-hmm. when you talk about, uh, that, let's say, the team is performing well. Now that quote-unquote well is a relative term. You may want to see, okay, this is well as per my definition, but is it the best? Mm-hmm. So if your benchmarks are, or you're you know, setting your goals at par with the average or, or at most the max that you feel is the max, but there could be many other heights that this team could go. If we do that, then we risk of complacency and we mm-hmm. could also risk and un- risk undermining their true potential. So where where do we actually set our bar so that we are not just setting ourselves for failure, but at the same time, we are not just feeling happy with the average? I, I think that's a really interesting point that um, it, how do we set that goal for this? I, I want to talk a little bit about the the other point about people leaving. But first of all, let's talk about the, the goal setting the goal for the team. I I don't think, in my experience as a leader, I don't set that goal in a vacuum myself. I I don't look at it and say, oh, I want my team. You know, I'm in IT, like many of your listeners. I I do a lot of projects. You you know, I could set a a very attainable goal for the team of having a, you know, very lengthy project timeline or something like that that makes sure with minimum risk that we will meet that goal. But actually, I have to set my goals in consultation with the management of my organization and with in, in uh, partnership with my colleagues around the organization, the colleagues who, to whom I deliver results. So I, in my experience, when you set your goals in that way, you will, you will set challenging goals. 
So when you include the organization in setting the goals, in fact, sometimes the goals are set in an unattainable way, So, which is okay. Uh, so I think that that's the, the key, is to not set the goals yourself, as not allow the team and the leader to set their own goals, but instead engage their customers and their their management in that. I think in a company, your goals are often set as, as um, what your customers want to see. And so you're, you're going to really um, avoid complacency by engaging your customers in there, in that process. I, I also, getting back to your first point, you're 100% correct. If you wait until you start losing, losing, losing staff, that's an indicator that you're already not doing your job as a leader. So you do have to find a way to constantly reach out to your staff to ensure that they have what they need to remain satisfied and, and to get their jobs done. So I, I do think you don't wait until, ooh, I'm losing staff every five minutes here. Uh, maybe I need to change something. I, I think that's the challenge for leaders is that we have to constantly be on alert uh, around what's going on in our teams. Uh, you can't shut yourself off from them. You have to constantly be doing outreach to your team members to take their temperature, to take their pulse, um, to ensure that you keep, especially your high performers, to ensure that you keep them happy and continue to challenge them because I believe most people want to be challenged in the workplace. And, um you know, you really need to uh, be in constant uh, contact with your team around that. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's talk about the first behavior, which is uh, which is, is going to contribute uh, towards a leadership success is solving problems effectively. So what do we mean by effectively? Are we dropping the ball somewhere in terms of how we approach or analyze or evaluate option or even execute on the chosen path? Where does the effectiveness has a risk of getting reduced from its true expected levels, which in a way impacts your ability to solve problems effectively. Let's explore when we come back. Please stay tuned. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management and Document Sharing Solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? 
Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Helen, uh, we all want to solve problems well, and, and this is a behavior which is expected to be one of the critical ones for leadership success, and that is solving problem effectively. So, would like to dissect it a little bit to say, okay, if someone is not solving the problem effectively, is it just dependent on the outcome or is it the process of solving? Well, I think the outcome is the indicator, but I, I think it's the process where we're having um, issues when problems aren't getting solved the way they should. And I personally believe that the key to solving problems is listening. I, I think the most common reason for uh, uh, dropping the effectiveness ball, so to speak, is that we don't really understand what the problem was uh, in the first place. And we actually went about solving something different. So really understanding the problems our partners are raising with us is the key to solving them. Um, and they don't always raise them. People don't always raise problems in an obvious way. A lot of times people will bring to us a symptom of a problem and say, I need this when they, or I need X when they really need Y. So I think it's our job as leaders um, to really delve into what the problem ask is and ask deeply probing questions to figure out what we need to do. Now, I can, I can give you a pretty simple example, um, you know, even from what a team member might hear from a person in the organization who brings forward a problem. I, I had a situation one time where somebody on my team heard a problem from a, 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 part, a customer on, on, in the organization, you know, I... I need more disk space. I need more disk space. I don't have enough space to store everything I need. And my my staff member's response was to come to me and to see if we could find a way to purchase more disk space. When, in fact, the problem was really something completely different. It was really a problem in how the, the person was working with video files. Now, now that's a really simple example, but you can see if, if my team member had said, oh, what's really going on? What's happening here? Why are you storing this in such a way? they would have gotten to the root of the problem and actually solved the underlying problem. That's a pretty simple example, but you can see how that technique might be applied to any number of problems, whether it's a a problem in how we're doing business in the company or a problem in management, for example. I think the key is to really understanding what the problem is because you can't really solve a problem if you don't know what it is. 
So here, what you just mentioned is the first step. That is how we approach or how we understand what the problem is. Here, the, the bigger task, what I'm referring to, is solving problems effectively, which is the journey, which is as the first step. Yes, you have to understand the problem by listening. Mm-hmm. But then comes like you got to evaluate options on how can I potentially solve the mm-hmm. problem. And then and you analyze and then maybe involve others. And as you go about solving that problem, you may one way or the other impact others. Or, or, or develop others, or, or uh, maybe have to sideline some people, or you have to manage them, because problem could be bigger than all people and all resources combined. Yeah. And in that process, if you drop the ball in any of them, that becomes the weakest link, and somebody looking at this whole solving problem effectively as, say, uh, say an initiative or, or a, an, an instance their thumbs up or thumbs down or the rating on how effectively you solve the problem could go below 10. Mm-hmm. And that was beyond just the listening part that you mentioned. So this is a bigger, and this is just my view on this, is to say this is a mm-hmm. bigger exercise than just listening. So now, if you were to take this as in, in this segmented way that you, you, how you approached and listened to understand it, then you analyze to, and you evaluated options and then you executed. Where all do you think people typically drop the ball unknowingly? Yeah, yeah. I, I think in, in my experience, it's the, the real couple of things. As I said, I think a lot of times we make a mistake in understanding what the problem is. But once we've identified and correctly identified the problem, then there are many other things that we have to do to ensure that we... Um, it, that that we execute on solving the problem. And where I think people drop the ball is on really, uh, when we, once we understand the problem, is on really evaluating all the options and pulling in the input from a number of people who need to be involved. There are very, In today's world, there are very few um, issues that a person can solve by themselves. They need to bring a team of people, in most cases, in to work on an issue, find the right skill set, ensure that they they have uh, they take the input of experts in various different areas to put together a correct solution. So I think that's another area where we fall down is on occasion we try to solve the problem ourselves without engaging others who might bring critical skills to, to the mix. So that's another area where, um, we, choose, where we, we can fall down. I think that's a key to leadership is to bring in the right people at the right time and listen to the expertise of others who might have skills in different areas uh, to ourselves. So that, I think, is, is, an, is one area where we fall down. The, the challenge, of course, when you have a team is that things can move slower and can get bogged down in decision-making and discussion. So that's another area uh, of concern as we move forward to, uh, to executing on a chosen path. So another key test of leadership is that with a team, uh, the team members will understand their role and accomplish what they need to do to get the the task done. So that, I think, is another area that as a leader, we have, as leaders, we have to really um, pay attention to. 
So as part of someone solving the problem, one is to get to the end result and get a badge of honor that you did it well. Mm-hmm. Another is you develop people along the way so that, see, many times as a leader, we we inherit problems or, for that matter, the problems get passed along upwards to us by our team, yeah. right? And the reason yeah. it comes to us because somewhere we fed them fish, but we never taught them how to fish, So the problems ideally should not come to me. In fact, I was talking to a CIO of a very large company and I I called him at 3 p.m. in the afternoon and he he picked up the phone. He says, hi, Sanjok, how are you doing? I said, you know what? I did not expect you to pick up the phone because I thought you'd be busy. He said, if I'm I'm busy at 3 p.m., that means I'm not doing my job. Mm -hmm. That's a great, that's a great approach. Right? And so so, so I'm just saying that so that are we not teaching or where are we falling short of teaching our people how to fish so that the problems actually originate not at the top problems are, you know originate typically in the trenches and they yeah. bubble up to the leader but how can you teach these people how to fish because then you will still get the badge of honor that you help mm-hmm. solve the problems effectively but essentially you are sitting chilling on your recliner <laughs> while your team is doing the job right that's right. That's right. I, I totally agree. A, an effective leader doesn't just come in and solve everyone's problems for them. What they do is develop their team so that they can solve the problems by themselves, as you pointed out with that uh, CIO that you mentioned. Now, for many of us, we, there, there's two. I think there's two barriers to that kind of teaching people how to fish, and that as leaders, we really have to work hard at this. I think the first barrier is us ourselves. It's really hard sometimes for successful people to not take on that problem. After all, we got to be in our roles by being highly effective and by being successful. And so for leaders like us, sometimes it's easier for us to just say, here, let me just fix that for you. It's kind of cool to be the hero. But the right approach, I think, is really a coaching approach so that when a person brings a problem to you, rather than just giving them answers, really working in a coaching way with them, asking them questions to lead them to find the solution themselves. You know, for example, I I once had a manager who struggled with um, a, a particular team member who wasn't performing well, and she came to me and said, you know, what am I going to do about John, obviously not his real name. And I think she wanted, what she was coming to me for was for me to say, well, let's fire him or let's do this, you know, whatever approach she thought I would do. But instead of telling her what to do, we just went into a conversation with probing questions. You know, what is he not doing? Well, he's taking too long to get this this things done. What's taking too long? Oh, he gets hung up on this task. Ultimately, she came to the conclusion that he was lacking a skill in a particular area and determined that she needed to provide some training for him, which hopefully would improve the situation. Now, the point is that she came to that conclusion herself. I didn't tell her what to do, even though I think she came to me wanting me to tell her what to do. So that's a, a simple approach, um, but I think it's it's the right approach. So a couple of hard things about that. Sometimes that does actually take longer than telling the person what to do. So, you know, in the short term, sometimes it is quicker to finish, to solve the problem yourself, but then you haven't 
taught a person how to fish, as, as you pointed out. And, and the second challenge for leaders is sometimes a person will come to a different conclusion or have a different approach to what we might ha- have come to ourselves. So I think it's it's important for us. I think it's a key um, approach for us to focus on the results that the person comes to and not how it's done, which may be different how to how you would would have done it yourself as a leader. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It does. And, and you know, so moving on to the strong results orientation, that's another behavior that's been recommended as critical uh, for, for leadership success. Now, this is something which brings up a couple of points. One, the top one which comes up is if someone is so driven by the results, mm-hmm. that person invariably gets labeled as uh, a dictatorial or a taskmaster, someone who doesn't, who wants to trample on over people's heads to get something done. How do we prevent that label? Because frankly, result orientation has n- almost never been for uh, for the benefit of people, or at least that's how the perception is. It's always for a corporate success. So organization comes above people, whereas it should be other way around for an organization to be successful. So if a leader is expected to show a behavior where they're focused on, have a strong orientation towards the results, then you in a way are, there's a huge risk of being seen as someone who's not really working in the interest of people who are making, bringing those results. How do we, how do we remove this catch 22? No, that's a, a great question. And the way you described it, that oftentimes the, the results are very focused on the, the company, what we want to achieve for the company, and not so much about the, the, the people. And I think it's the job of the leader to kind of turn that around. Now, in a perfect world, all team members, all of us, we'd all be focused on results, right? So it's the leader's job to get the team members enthused about the results of the uh, that uh, about the results um, some of that comes back to some of the things we've discussed before uh, it's important for the team to understand what's want, what's needed what's desired the clarity that matters but it's also important for the team members to understand what's in it for them you know I, I think the key to ensure success is that the success is shared. After all, if the leader is striving for strong results so that he or she will be rewarded or will look good, then they will absolutely, not only will they be seen as just a taskmaster, that's what they are. They're asking people to work so that they can look good. If the team reaps the benefits and rewards of the great results, then they will really be focused on achieving those results. So I think the way to have a team and to avoid that focused on results and avoid coming across as a taskmaster is to ensure that the team shares the glory when there are successes. Be sure that the team is in the limelight when things go well. I think it's really important to recognize the team's great work so that um, they see the benefits of the results for themselves. That, I think, is the key. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. Helen, so hold your thought on this one because there's another very important thing that you mentioned here about when the, the success happens, then team gets the reward. That's great. But then let's also look at the journey when you do deliver the results because the journey should not be painful. 
And as you go about building profits and growth for the company, the team should also build their capabilities and feel good about the journey because otherwise you will never have the next success. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management and Document Sharing Solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, so Helen, you remember we spoke about teaching people how to fish. We would not have the patience or the tolerance to teach people how to fish if we are too fixated on achieving a number and telling our team that, hey, you will get all the kudos. I don't really care if we win. Right. But that's a painful approach and it, it will result to painful journey. How do we prevent that? So, um, as you mentioned, as we've been discussing that People are motivated by what's good for them, and they also want to be recognized uh, by what they do. So let's use an example of where uh, a team was maybe driving towards a a mission rather than a result. I mean, I recently read a Harvard Business Review article uh, describing uh, the growth of the company Burt's Bees. So in that situation, in in the early 2010s, Burt's Bees' mission was to, to go global, or, or to really turn into a global company. Uh, the CEO, John Replogle, I think is how you pronounce his name, was really focused on global expansion. He wanted to focus the company on global expansion. So obviously, it's a very high-pressure situation, a lot of focus on company growth. But he started every single day by sending a company-wide email 
praising a team member for the work that they had done in the global rollout. Um, He reminded his managers to talk with their teams about the company's values and goals every day so that it wasn't just striving toward a number, but really um, getting buy-in and engagement into the mission of the company. People were bought into the success of that rollout because they understood what the value was to the company. They understood what the value was to themselves, and they were further engaged by being recognized when they uh, contributed to that mission. So in a situation like that, where it was very focused on um, growth and results, the company still had enormous success because the leader at the very top paid attention to the team, both from the perspective of appreciation, which I think is really important in the workplace, but also engagement and clarity. So that, I think, is a way to avoid getting churned up in the approach of, it's a taskmaster, we're driving to a number, we want to get um, maximum profits or, or whatever it is that doesn't feel as, as uh, personalized or internalized with the team members. And and you know why even building the team's capability should not come across or, or should be like predicting weather or something fuzzy. So do you think when we say strong results orientation, is it realistic and also a good way to approach it where we say, okay, while we will get X results for the company, but we will get Y results in terms of specific measurable capabilities we built in our people. Individuals identified, team identified, departments identified. Is it possible? I, I do. I, I do. I think it's it's a difficult. I do think it's possible to do that. I think it's it's a case of balancing um, how we do that and understanding that sometimes adding the um, the goal of ensuring that people have growth or have learning uh, or development as leaders or in other areas for that matter, that that does add to the time uh, that it might take to achieve the results. So I, I think as leaders and as organizations, we have to look at that balance and see what's right in the situation. It takes longer to teach a person how to fish than to to hire a bunch of fishermen. So, 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 so what you just said, Helen. Yeah, so, so mm-hmm. what you just said, Helen, which is a fight between urgent versus important. That's correct. Right? That's so, correct. So, so if you are a leader and leader by objectively from all directions, whether how follower sees you versus how the corporate management mm-hmm. sees you, you would miss one or the other if you forget, you lose the battle between urgent and important and go after the urgent alone. Mm-hmm. And that's what separates leaders because once you've taught other people how to fish or build their capabilities next time around, you'd be able to get the same things done better or without even leadership's inter- interception, uh, intervention. And that mm-hmm. will allow you to sit at 3 p.m. and take a call from Sanjog. <laughs> that's exactly right. I think that's exactly right that it takes longer in the beginning but you reap rewards in the long run because you develop a team of Um, high-performing leaders across the organization. Whereas if you just uh, bark orders at people and tell them what to do, then that's the kind of performers you have on a day-to-day basis. So I do think it's important to look at um, 
when you, you look, even as an individual, when you look at what you're working on, whether it's immediate or important, we do tend to, are, we're naturally inclined to focus on what's urgent, what's come up, what email did I get, is there a crisis in the, you know, in, in the data sector, when we get more rewards from focusing on what's our long-term goal here. How, how do we, developing people is a long-term goal. So taking time, setting time aside to focus on the long-term goal does reap rewards, but it takes longer. And your organization has to be supportive of um, taking that long-term approach, which I think was the key to success in the Burt's Bees example. The CEO himself, while he was very focused on the global rollout, was very engaged in ensuring that teams were uh, given the opportunity to really learn and understand as they went through that process more about both the company and the mission of the company and how to perform in that company. Let's talk about the next critical behavior, which is seeking different perspectives, which mm-hmm. is, of course, seen as a critical behavior. But then if you, of course, you know, in, in the in the in the world that we are living in today, you simply cannot have your own mental bandwidth to, you know, calculate and see all different points, data points. So, yes, you will collect the data and then you will try to get perspective. So I know leaders are attempting to do that. But where do you draw the line? where you collect the data, but then you say, okay, I'm going to run with this now versus getting paralyzed by the consensus building type of um, mindset because you want to come across as someone who seeks different perspectives and not be dictatorial, but at the same time, Mm -hmm. not someone who never takes the decision. So that's a great question. I, I agree that seeking different perspectives is absolutely critical for a leader. We don't know everything, um, and different perspectives really help inform our decision-making. So we do need to listen to lots of different points of view before we make decisions. But I think it's very important to be clear about where the the decision is made. And I, I think that's situational. In some organizations, in some situations, deep consensus building is important, you know, uh, but in other cases, it's important to be decisive and to move fast. I mean, think of the model of a general on a battlefield. In that situation, the general absolutely needs to receive a lot of information. He or she needs to hear various perspectives, needs to know data, needs to know facts. But when push comes to shove, he or she will make a decision as to how to move forward on the battlefield. And so, you know, that's, I think, what's really important is to be clear up front about where we are in this particular situation on that line between consensus building and dictatorial. And also to have a clear timeline uh, around uh, the uh, decision, when the decision will be made, I think is a key uh, to a good decision making. So, so that's what I think it is. It's clarity. It's different in each situation. Um, in some situations, you do want to build consensus, but in some situations, the leader wants to hear the facts and hear some opinions and then um, move forward as as they decide uh, with input from others. So I think it's clear about which situation we're in. I think 
It's about being clear about the timeline, um, almost saying, I'm going to hear information from this corner and this corner and this corner, and then I'm going to pull it together and make a decision, and then be clear about the decision when it's made, and asking or really requiring people, even those who maybe had a different perspective on the decision, to, to come on board with the decision once it's made. So to increase complexity, what has happened is the world around us has been changing and, and everything is getting disrupted one way or the other, whether technology or what customer wants or the how business wants to react. Everything is fundamentally changing in some cases. And some of those decisions, and in fact, that's becoming the quantum of decision making that's happening in the company. None of the people within the company or even people outside in many cases have any idea Mm-hmm. about what to really, how to give an impair, input even if you went to them. And in that case, a leader still has to make a decision. So mm-hmm. should a, a, a leader just go with their you know, gut and intuition and, and go and make a decision and not wait or still ask people who also say, I don't know, but here is, there are two cents. Is that still a good approach? But please hold your thought. Helen, we'll be back. Uh, Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll discuss how in such cases in disruptive environment, you can still bring people along and come across as someone who seeks other different perspectives. Please stay tuned. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Alan, as we discussed, uh, we want the, the disruption to happen. And yes, we want mm-hmm. to use other people's perspective and, 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 and be inclusive in our decision making. But there could be areas where nobody has a clue. 
So do you wait for other blinds to lead you or or you say, you know what, I'm going to just uh, put a stake in the ground, run with it, accept whatever happens as a result. But then in that process, do you lose that uh, that so-called uh, certificate of someone as a successful mm-hmm. leader who seeks other people's perspectives? What do you do in such cases? I, I think, you know, it's a great question. I, I do think we have teams with different levels of skill and experience, but I, I do caution against running solo. There are times when you have to do it, but there is going to be a cost associated with it. So certainly in a situation where, you know, it's I, 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 first of all, I think it's an unusual situation where the leader is the only person with knowledge in a certain area and nobody else has that knowledge. But in that situation, it's it's true it would probably be more time effective for the leader to just say, we're going to do it and move forward. However, recognize that your team members are going to feel excluded and that you'll probably have to do some work on the back end with them uh, to make them feel, continue to feel valued as team members. It does come across when a team leader does that as if they don't value the input of the team. So that's the the thing that we have to think about. You can make a decision as to whether it's worth having a conversation up front, even if you don't believe that that conversation is going to impact your decision so that the person at least feels listened to. Or you can make the decision to uh, to not do that and find a different way to make a person um, feel listened to later. I, I think one approach to ensure that people feel listened to or develop in those areas is to give them the opportunity uh, to either lead or to be participate in decisions that are in lower stakes situations where if they make a mistake or if if the decision is not correct, failure is not quite as devastating. And then you could follow up with them for feedback purposes. Now, now sometimes you don't have that luxury. Sometimes you don't have a lower stake situation where you can develop people. But then I would suggest that if you don't have an opportunity for people with lower level of skills to, to take a chance and you've only hired people with lower level of skills, maybe they the mistake was made in, in assembling that team in the first place. Does, does that make sense? Yes, it does. Because if you got all B players and you yourself want to be an A player, the only way you will become A player and get the chance to have other people help you is to hire people who are smarter than you. If, if, you, yeah. if you do that hiring, it's going to lead you to that comfort. Totally understand yeah. and appreciate. So, so that said, uh, let's talk about the, the, the critical behavior is to make other people feel important and appreciated and the way you could do is just by being supportive of them so now could the conflict arise when on one hand you want a strong results orientation and you want to drive people towards the results that are to be you know which are measurable right that's what you're measured about mm-hmm. with and, and and you know the, your team as well and the other hand you are being supportive so can supportive be misconstrued as being a parent or, or someone who's a who's a lenient parent or is mm-hmm. it a strict parent? How would you see a leader who's demonstrating behavior of being supportive of others? How would you define something like that? 
You know, I think that's this is a really fascinating area, and I, I think we've seen a lot of uh, research recently that shows us that team leaders who develop, um, who have strong emotional intelligence and have strong empathy for their team members actually have far more productive teams. So I don't... I, I know that there are organizations where there's such focus on the bottom line that it feels like teams don't, that people, excuse me, don't matter. But, but I think that's a mistake. I, I think there's plenty of research that suggests that there's a link between uh, a person's happiness and the productivity. So, in fact, I think being supportive of your people helps you deliver results. Um, you know, there was a, a study at the University of Warwick in Great Britain in 2014 that suggested that uh, happiness can lead to a major spike in pro- productivity. Happier workers can be 12% more su- successful, according to this, or more productive, excuse me, according to this study. And other analyses show that the number can be even higher. Um, so I, I kind of think the two things go hand in hand, like in the birch bees example. I think there's very little cost uh, to being supportive of your people. I think as a team lead or as a manager or as a leader, it doesn't cost us anything to thank our people when they do a good job. Um, here's the thing. When you constantly thank people and recognize their good behaviors, they're more um, motivated and encouraged to do to do the right thing. And when you have to c- correct them when they have a behavior that's not appropriate, it's much easier to do so because you're not the person who only points out um, when they have uh, when they're when they're making a mistake. So, so I, I feel that being supportive uh, is really really adds to the to the bottom line and, and helps deliver results. I, I think there's a difference between empathy and sympathy. And so sometimes I think we've confused being empathetic with our staff with being, as you said, being the parent who, who always helps. Um, I, I can think of a situation where a person who reported to me was, was really struggling with his performance due to some personal issues. And rather than showing sympathy for him and saying, well, take whatever time you need, what was important for me was to have empathy for him, to understand that he was in a difficult situation, but to also demonstrate to him that having success in the workplace would really help him uh, feel better as a human being. And so in that situation, being empathetic but not reducing uh, the, my expectations about the work he would deliver w- was good for him as a person and also good for the organization. So, so I, I think supportive, actually, supportive leaders actually have better success and, and um, have teams that perform in a more productive manner. One last question, 30 seconds. If you were to embrace all these four critical behaviors, of course, you're on your way to become a successful leader. But while we go through that journey and adopt those behaviors and develop skills, how can we ensure that at no point do we compromise our values and, and, and stay ethical throughout the journey? 
you know, a common description of leadership is that leadership is doing is about doing the right thing. I think for me to live our values, it, it's important that we're in an environment that's consistent with our values. So I think it's really important as a leader uh, to work for a company or an organization that we believe in and to work with people who share our similar values. Uh, for most of us, that means working with ethical organizations and colleagues where honesty and collaboration uh, are truly valued. And that's, I, I think, how we can ensure that we live our values and behave ethically to make sure we're in the right place and to um, approach our work with honesty and clarity at all times. On behalf of the show and our listeners, thank you so much, Helen, for sharing your thoughts on how leaders can embrace the four critical behaviors plus more in order for them to not only take their people to the next level, make the team perform to the best, organization to deliver the best value they can for the customer, and essentially achieve leadership success. Thanks so much again. Thank you. It was was, uh, a pleasure. And listeners, please like us on Facebook, search for CTN, that is CIO Talk Network, and be sure to follow us on Twitter and join our LinkedIn group. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening. CTN CIO Talk Network is brought to you by Redmain and BlackBerry. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, 
self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our